Have you ever heard well-intentioned people say really ignorant things? And this sounds rough, but uh, among them are things such as I've heard people coming down with a cold and they'll say, well, the devil's trying to get me down. <laughs> That's good. That's good. And they're well-intentioned. They don't understand that they are putting themselves on par with Jesus Christ to say that they are important enough that the devil himself would come try to hinder their work with a common cold. Amen. But how often is that indicative of all of our responses to the things that come our way? Whether it be sickness or pain or death or hardship or trial. We have this tendency to say that's the enemy coming at us. That's the enemy trying to discourage It's only the enemy, because after all, God only wants us to prosper and do well. And that is all God wants. If you look on the surface, that's that's not a bad thing. it, It sounds good on the surface to say that God is loving and only wants what's best, so when something negative comes our way that's the enemy trying to get us down but there are a few problems with that not the least of which is you're saying that the enemy can defeat God's purpose for your life at that point you're saying that God wants only what's best but he's powerless to stop the enemy when he comes to bring discouragement God is impotent in the face of the enemy and his wiles That's one problem. The other problem, it's short-sighted in so many ways, and it's hit home. I had an opportunity to give the devotion at uh, the academy last night, and this kind of goes along with, with the same thought that I had there. It's just taking a slightly different tack because of my own place where you know I've, I've not been here for some time because I've had to work on Sundays in a job I dearly adore. You all know that. For those who may be listening later, that was extreme sarcasm. And I have this tendency to look at the fact that circumstances aren't what I feel that they should be, that that I feel like God wants something different, something more, and it hasn't come to pass yet, and it's not fair. And it wouldn't be a far cry for me to say, why is the devil doing this to me? But then it's easy to also say, why isn't God stopping the devil? And it's a short-sighted view to look at everything that comes our way as being some kind of obstacle set in place by the enemy. So I want us to look this morning at John chapter 11. John chapter 11, the first few verses there. says, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. 
Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, he saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. And I'll stop there. We, this is a familiar story. Most of us know this, that of course, once Jesus got up, he went back to Bethany. And he was met in the way... He, well, now I have to remember who stayed. Mary stayed in the house. He was met in the way by Martha, who ran out to meet him and said, Lord, you're too late. I'm going to paraphrase here. Lord, you're too late. He's dead. <clears throat> and kind of says, why did you tarry? We know that if you had been here, if you had been here, he would not have died. And of course, the rest of the story is Jesus comforts them. Jesus hurts with them. That's where you have the verse, Jesus wept because Lazarus was his friend. We think Jesus didn't suffer like we do when our loved ones, our friends pass away. Lazarus was his friend. And sometimes we weep and mourn when our friends pass away and we're powerless to do anything about it. But here's Jesus who had all the power in the world to do something about it. But Lazarus had to die. So Jesus wept. And of course that was a great manifestation of the power of Christ in that he called him forth from the tomb. He, he prayed out loud, not because the Father needed him to so he could hear him, but so that the people around could know that the Father has heard him. It was a wonderful manifestation of the power of God. But my key thoughts here deal with the fact that first his sister sent unto him in, in verse 3 and said, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. As we go, as I, as I try to go forward, pray for me, but remember that Lazarus was beloved of Jesus. Does the Lord love us? We, are we any different from Lazarus in the way that the Lord loves us? So I want to look at that next verse. And Jesus heard that. He said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And as I thought of this, I looked up, I looked up the Greek. And, and the, word, the word that's translated sickness is asteneia. I think I pronounced that right. Asteneia. 
It's translated sickness, and yes, it means that. If you look at the definition, it means a want of strength, weakness, or infirmity of the body. And that's, that's clearly a bodily sickness, some, some kind of system compromise somewhere in the body that, that makes you sick. But it can also be translated the same way, to be a want of strength, a weakness, or an infirmity of the soul. <clears throat> and that gets elaborated to be a want of strength and capacity requisite to understand. Or a want of strength and capacity requisite to do things great and glorious. Or a want of strength and capacity requisite to restrain corrupt desires. Or a want of strength and capacity requisite to bear trials and troubles. And so if we look at the larger picture, yet yeah, most of us would have a hard time putting ourselves in Lazarus' place because we're not sick and in a bed dying yet. <clears throat> but if we look at that word that is translated sickness and look at the enormity of its meaning and the enormity of the applications, if you take it out of its context and just simply use the vocabulary and, and create a metaphor for it, how many times in life do we, as the people that Jesus loves, find ourselves with a want of strength and capacity requisite to understand what God is doing? How many times do we fall victim to that sickness of having a lack of the vision for what God is working amongst us? And it hurts. How many times do we as the people that Jesus loves and we as the people who feel as though we are called by God and often moved by His Holy Spirit, how often do we find ourselves wanting in strength and the capacity requisite to do things great and glorious. We feel that God has called us to some magnificent work, some great thing to do for the Lord, and yet we can't find it in ourselves to do it. And maybe we doubt that, that the call was real. Maybe we begin to doubt ourselves. Maybe it's so bad, maybe it's so dire that we even begin to doubt our salvation. Maybe we begin to doubt that Jesus really loves us. Because we're sick. And how often, and when I say how often, I don't mean how often in general. I mean how many times per day, because it's multiple times daily, do we as the people that Jesus loved find ourselves wanting in strength and the capacity requisite to restrain our corrupt desires of the flesh. Amen. Amen, amen. <clears throat> I know for myself, I, 
if nothing else goes wrong in the day, if I behave perfectly, I know that I can count on the thoughts in my mind that never see the light of day to convict me before God. I knew he was going there. Amen. And then I beat myself up for that. Because I'm a child of God. I should be above that. Amen, amen. I'm a God-called preacher. I should be above that. Amen, amen. What is wrong with me? What's wrong with me is that I'm sick. I have a sickness. Just like Lazarus. How often do we as the people that Jesus loves find ourselves wanting in strength and the capacity requisite to bear the trials and troubles that come our way in life? When things hurt, when loved ones die, when sickness comes into our families, when our families are broken, when our children are broken hearted, when, when the job ends, when the money well runs dry, when the church is split into factions, <clears throat> when there are wars and rumors of wars and we feel uneasy living in our own country, when our culture attacks us for something as simple as wanting to pray before a meal, when we look around and realize the entire world is crazy because men and women don't know what men and women even are. And we're unable to bear the weight of the troubles and trials that come our way. Does Jesus not love us? What is wrong with us? And why isn't Jesus coming to our aid? Didn't we send a message to him that, that we're sick? Didn't we send word to him? Why hasn't he come? Because we're also like Martha. We know that if He were only here, we would be healed. So Lord, why did You delay? The sickness of Lazarus is no different than the sicknesses that, that you and I bear. I, I told the kids last night, reminded them that there in 1 Corinthians there's no temptation that comes upon us that is not common to man. And whether you look at that temptation in the context as being a, an enticement to sin or to be a testing of your faith and of your character. It's common to man. This was Lazarus' testing. This was Martha's testing. This was Mary's testing. It was part of it. His sickness was his testing. And we too are allowed to become sick. 
But I love what Jesus says. He says, this sickness is not unto death. That word unto, pros. To the advantage of death. This sickness is not to death's advantage. This sickness is not so that death can score a victory and score a notch in his belt. Or it can also mean with regard to. With regard to death. This sickness is not with regard to death. It's not about death. It's not about the end of life. And certainly death will not gain a victory because of this sickness. Jesus says this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. That the Son of God might be glorified thereby. That's where we have to remember that she said, Lazarus, whom thou lovest, is sick. So when we send word, we can say, Lord, I'm sick. My brother or sister, whom you love, is sick. I, Lord, whom you love, am sick. Won't you come? And we can often be very short-sighted, like Martha and Mary. Lord, if you'd only been here, he wouldn't have died. Why? Why did you delay? Why did you tarry? And the whole time that we're being short-sighted about looking for our escape, our cure, our way out right now so that our pain can be relieved we forget that perhaps God is using this testing, this sickness that has come upon us, not unto death, not so that death, not so that the enemy, not so that the corrupt world system, not so that sin can gain a victory at our discouragement or our demise, but it comes so that the Son of God may be glorified in us. What can we learn from our sickness? What is God trying to teach us or show us? And even if he's not trying to teach us or show us, what is he trying to do? And we may not know. We may not be able to figure it out. Because we're also lacking in the capacity requisite to understand. But does it matter as long as we can know and trust that the Lord who loves us knows what he's doing? And perhaps he's saying, this sickness that you're facing, it's not unto death, but it's so that I may be glorified. This testing that you are undergoing is not to your discredit, but so that I may be glorified. This time of doubt that you're facing is not so that you can be discouraged, but so that I may be glorified. This time of loss that you're suffering is not for your pain, but for my glory. Why are we so short-sighted 
See, sometimes we'll look at, at Martha's response there and we think, boy, she was a little bit petulant talking to Jesus, wasn't she? Y'all ever read that and think, who does she think she is talking to the Lord like that? Well, we forget they were friends. They were friends. They could speak to one another as friends. And Martha and Mary, what we also forget is they didn't have any shortage of faith. They knew who Jesus was. See, Jesus says, your brother will live again. And they didn't say, no, that's impossible. Thanks for nothing. They said, oh, Lord, we know that he will rise again in the resurrection. Yes, yes, yes. yes. We know that you have that power, Lord. You have taught us that. You have shown us that. We know that he will live again in the resurrection. But that doesn't help us right now. And I wonder how different is that from the way that so many of God's people look at things when we hear so many people say, oh, poor pitiful me, life is hard, like I'm glad heaven's in view. And they talk as though they just can't wait to die. As though the only thing worth waiting for is death so that we can go to heaven. Because all of God's people are saying, Lord, we know that we will live again in the great resurrection. Jesus is saying, you'll live again. You'll have new life. I will bring you through this. And we're saying, oh, we know that in heaven we'll live again. And we leave it at that. And we're so short-sighted that just like Martha, we don't see that what Jesus is saying, no, your brother will live again. I want to do great and glorious things right now. Not off in the future, but right now, if you'll only trust me. And how often do we as God's people do the same thing? We look forward to heaven. It's almost like, I mean, I'm glad there's a heaven to go to. I want to go to heaven. I just don't want to be on the first bus. But you hear a lot of God's people talk about how troublesome the world is and how, how sin's just so bad and that devil's like a roaring lion and he, and he attacks me at every turn and it's just hard. I'm glad I got a home to go to because life's not going to get any better until you die. And I sound like I'm poking fun and in a, in a way I kind of am, but at the same time, it's not it's not a, a malicious mindset, it's an ignorant mindset and a short-sighted mindset. One that is lacking in vision, which kind of goes along with that want of strength and capacity requisite to understand. It's a lack of vision for what God is doing. It's sickness. It's part of the, the Lazarus sickness. And people have it. God's people have that lack of vision. We're unable to see that God wants to do great and wonderful and mighty things right now we know the promise for beyond but have we forgot we have forgotten that the promise is for now yes it may not look 
the way we want it to look, but that doesn't make it any less of a promise. How, many, how often do we pray for the Lord to do great and powerful and mighty things, but then we, form, we conjure an image in our mind of what those great and powerful and mighty things look like. And while great and powerful and mighty things may go on all around us, because it didn't happen our way, well, the Lord didn't do anything. we're all sick like Lazarus and yes if the Lord were here certainly we would live certainly if the Lord showed up now to work his healing power now the sickness would be lifted the veil would be lifted from our eyes we would have understanding we would have power to do things great and glorious the spirit of god would work within us to corrupt our to to restrain our corrupt desires the burdens we bear would be lifted or would feel lighter but sometimes jesus delays Sometimes he delays, not because he doesn't love us, but because he sees a greater plan. That what we're facing is not for us, or for our demise, or for our discouragement, or for our trouble. And it's certainly not for our punishment, or for our chastisement. but it's so that the Son of God may be glorified. Now maybe it's to teach us a question, uh, teach us a lesson. But if we learn, if we learn more about the nature of the Son of God, then the Son of God is glorified in it. Karen Peck in New River had a song some years ago called Four Days Late. Even when he's four days late, he's still on time. In the midst of the sickness that we're facing, whatever it may be, the, in the midst of our lack of vision, our doubts, our trials, it's difficult to remember that God is faithful and God is good if he doesn't respond on our timetable. That's where we need to step back and look at the larger picture. Let's not blame all our troubles on the enemy. I'm, now, I'm also not saying that that the enemy does not send things our way. I'm not saying that nothing that we face is a result of demonic influence or attack. But to blame everything on demonic influence or attack, or to act as though the rest of the world is not under demonic influence or attack, they're only after me. There is no temptation that comes our way that is not common to man. (laughs) 
So I'm not going to go so far as to say that nothing comes from the enemy, but I'm also not going to be so arrogant as to feel that Satan has me in his crosshairs. Personally. Sometimes things just happen in life. Because we're weak, fallen flesh. We are corrupt. So our flesh has corrupt desires. And were it not for the Spirit of God at work within us, we would follow them time after time after time and be powerless to resist. Scripture tells us that in Him, Christ, we live and move and breathe. That in Him all things are held together. So were it not for the power of Christ having a hand on my life, I would lack the power to do anything that's not so great and not so glorious. So why should I be discouraged because I can't in my own strength do things great and glorious for the Lord? Trials and troubles come to everyone. Do I think that because I'm a child of God, I'm the only one who hurts when loved ones pass away or the only one who struggles when the paycheck doesn't go quite as far as I think it should? Please. But will I have the shallow perspective that only sees right here, right now? Or can I step back and see the bigger picture to see that, yes, this is hard. This is difficult. But maybe... This sickness, this weakness, this season is not unto death, but it's for the glory of God. In fact, Scripture tells us that one of the apostles was shown in what manner of death he would glorify God. Doesn't that seem like an oxymoron? That in what manner of death one would glorify God. And the apostle didn't complain. Because the apostle had walked with Christ, had learned from his hand, and then had seen him alive. After seeing him dead. The apostle knew the power of Christ. And the apostle had also been in that upper room and had been imbued with the power of the Holy Spirit from on high. That apostle knew the power of God. And if God chose for him to die so that he may be glorified, then the apostle knew that is God's prerogative. So where in the world, or who in the world do we think we are to expect any less? Or to demand any more. And yet we do. We're not so different from Mary and Martha. Am I the only one here who sometimes sounds petulant in my prayers?
Am I the only one here who says, Lord, if you'd been here, would you hurry up? Why aren't you here yet? Yes. Surely I'm not the only one, but if I am, well, then it's true confession time. But I don't think I am, and anyone that may hear it later, maybe, maybe they know they're not alone. But let's remember that we are just like Lazarus. Lazarus, whom you love, is sick. Lord, Bob, who you love, is sick and hurting. My brother or sister, who you love, is sick and hurting. Can you come? We're no different from Lazarus. And it's okay. The Lord didn't reprimand Martha for being petulant because He knew she was hurting. So the Lord doesn't mind from time to time lashing out from our pain. We say, Lord, why didn't you come? Why haven't you shown up yet? He doesn't mind. It doesn't hurt his feelings. He puts on his big boy britches and he knows that we're in pain. In fact, because he loves us, he weeps with us. Just like he wept with Mary and Martha. And he reminds us that there's life after this. And if we're not careful, if we can't get out of our petulant state of mind, we'll say, well, I know there's life in heaven. It'll be better after I die. Don't miss the fact that Jesus is saying there's life after this. I am going to do something great and wonderful and mighty right now. Wait for it. Because what you've been through was not about you and was not to punish you, but it was so that you can glorify God through this. It was so that I can receive glory through your pain and through your struggle. I will be lifted up. It's for a greater cause. And I knew you could handle it. Next time I hear someone say that they've got a cold, the devil must be after them. I don't know that I can. I don't know that I can take this long to kind of rebut them. But I'm sure it'll come to mind. <laughs> the devil doesn't give people colds. Well, I mean, I guess he could if he wanted to, but. Sometimes sickness just comes our way because we're flesh. Yes. And there is no temptation that comes upon us that is not common to man. Yes. But I read the rest of the verse to him last night too. But God is faithful and will not allow us to be tested, tempted, whichever word you want, beyond what we can bear, but will provide an escape. He wants to do great and glorious things now. Let's not lose sight of it.